Welcome to the Unwritten Life Podcast, where we share that your deepest pain can lead to your biggest gain, and that your story is still unwritten. Now introducing your host, Tim Sawhook. Welcome to the show today, everybody. It's so excited to have you here for another episode of the Unwritten Life Podcast. Guys, we have a great episode here for you today. We're really excited to share this with you. It's another one that I told you it's always going to bring you hope and encouragement. And I hope that when you guys hear these podcasts every week, that you do leave with a sense of hope. And I use the word hope and hope and hope and hope over and over again. But it's what the whole purpose of the podcast is about, that your story is unwritten and that there's hope for you for your future. So I hope as you hear these podcasts that you take them with you and they don't just end in your car and in your earbuds, that you take it, kind of resonate with it, the message and the people that are on here sharing their vulnerable stories, sharing them for you to offer hope and not for you just to keep it to yourself, but to pay it forward to someone else and to maybe use your own story in your everyday life. And I think that's very important and I'm very thankful for the people that have been on and able to do that. Like I've talked about before, I still want to hear from you guys. Um, if you guys are feeling it in your heart, you're loving the show, please leave a written review, leave a rating on iTunes so people like you enjoy it. It offers it that to be in the feed for other people so they can see it, they can enjoy it, and walk away with that message of encouragement for them in their day as well. So again, if you guys are feeling it, you're enjoying the show, I would appreciate it. So would all the people who have been on the show to share their stories and share their message with other people and to kind of continue paying it forward over and over again. Like I said at the beginning, we have another great episode, and I'm going to get into it right away. Here is my conversation with Will Petty. Well, I'd like to welcome Will Petty to the show today. Will, how are you doing today? Good, Tim. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Once I heard about your story from Candace, and she told me to talk to you, and then we spoke on the phone about a month ago or so, I knew that your story is going to be one that's really going to offer hope to people and really make them feel normal with their struggles. And so I'm, I'm proud of you, and I'm thank you for coming on to share your story. Uh, it's an honor to be here, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool thing for us to be able to have gone through now and be able to share um, for other people to hopefully get a little bit of encouragement and hope out of. Absolutely. Well, like I ask everybody at the beginning of every podcast, tell me about your story, your life a little bit before Carter came on the scene. Yeah, sure. So um, my wife and I got married in 2011. Um, I was working at a college. I was running a, a college football program at the time. And um, so life was fun and busy and exciting and, and crazy. Um, we got uh, let's see, we got married in 2011, and my wife was pregnant um, in 2012. Carter was born in 2012, so it was a pretty quick adjustment. So um, we were, you know, all excited and nervous and, and scared and happy and all that stuff bundled up, up at once at the same time, kind of. Um, but, yeah, it was a really exciting time, you know, and we were young and, and living in Southern California. Um, you know, the, the, the dreams were happening and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Carter was born in November of 2012. Okay. Um, pretty straightforward pregnancy. Um, my wife and did end up having a C-section just because the doctors um, um, thought that Carter was going to be breached and just the amount of time she went into labor. So, but, you know, nothing crazy, pretty straightforward. And, you know, nothing was um, stressful with that, at least um, for my wife. Um, I was... <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, so I didn't. <laughs> it's a little bit of a crazy experience when you hear they're cutting your wife open to take the baby out. You know, you're like, 
Oh, what? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What was it like <laughs> during the pregnancy? You said it was pretty normal. So were you guys, yeah. you guys got married and a year later, you're pregnant. What was it like during that whole pregnancy? Were you guys super excited? Were you nervous about having a baby? What was it like? Uh, I think both. One, um, excited and nervous because, you know, we wanted, we both wanted kids. So that was a no brainer. That was okay. not a, a challenge, but it, you know, it happened, you know, fairly fast into our marriage. And so we were like, all right, let's, you know, kind of, here we go, you know? Um, so that was kind of all, all the same, literally, you know, we're excited, we're nervous. We're like, you know, oh my gosh, like this is happening, like get ready. Um, so, you know, but you know, we were tr trying to keep it as normal as possible and not have, um, you know, life, you know, be crazy. I was really busy with my job, yeah. um, working. Um, so, you know, we just tried to keep it as normal as possible. And, and until, um, you know, she, she did have ended up having Carter. And so, you know, life, I would say it was pretty normal for a young married couple. Um, really nothing crazy happened um, in our lives. We had family close by. So, right. you know, really everything was, was, was pretty normal, I would think. Pretty normal. So as Carter was born, you had the C-section and stuff. Let me ask you back in the story. What was it like when you finally got to see Carter for the first time after all the anticipation? It's so, it's so like, you know, like surreal, you know, because your, yeah. your, your wife, you get almost, you get almost uh, comfortable and, and accustomed to your wife having this huge belly and okay, yeah, there's a baby in there. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. you feel the kicking and oh yeah, this is, it, it becomes a, a normal way of life for, you know, nine months, uh -huh. you know, give it. And, then, and so, yeah, seeing her and, and holding, and holding her and, and watching them clean her off, it just kind of like, you know, time froze. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll never forget the, uh, the, the surgeon, the doctor came in and, and he's, you know, scrubbing up and he goes, Hey dad, come here. And uh, he goes, you know, it's going to be straightforward. You know, C-sections happen all the time. Don't worry. Nothing to be, nothing to be panicked or worry about. He said, but whatever you do, don't look over the curtain. And so I said, <laughs> doc, you got it. No worries there. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I was I like, I bought an eyeball with Jenny. <laughs> I wouldn't have looked over the curtain either. My, both my kids were born normal pregnancy, no C-section, but I don't think I could have come back from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome so she cleaned her off she looked as beautiful god's gift i'm sure and uh yeah totally you were sure you were happy there you said so things were pretty normal early on so where, where does her story start to evolve a little bit with carter so her story starts getting interesting um about a month to be honest with you at about a month uh three weeks or so she caught what is called rsv which is a respiratory syncytial virus mm -hmm. and to any toddler or young child, it just looks like a, a cold, um, okay. maybe kind of, maybe kind of a more intense cold, you know, head and maybe even flu like symptoms. Is that um, pretty common? It can be sure. Okay. But she caught it at three weeks old. So her immune system was, you know, just weak. And, um, so it, it hit her harder and it, it took her a long time, um, to kind of recover from it, but we had no idea what was going on. So one morning my wife is breastfeeding her mm -hmm. and she started to suffocate on her breast milk. And so, um, yeah. it was one Friday morning that I just, for some reason was, um, casually going into the office, you know, about nine o'clock or so I didn't have to be there super early, which I usually had to be. Um, and so she called me back. I'm literally outside the house. She calls me back and says, Hey, Carter's, Carter's acting funny. You come back in. Mm -hmm. And so I come back inside and she's blue and purple and just suffocating like lifeless. Oh, wow. Uh, which was like another totally surreal moment you know, like life flashing before your eyes, time to go, you know, right. and, and instincts just kick in. Um, I, I did a little, 
infant CPR. I just put her in my foot over my arm and started kind of right. pounding on her back. She she gasped for air a couple of times. So I just said, "Hey, grab your stuff. We're going to the hospital right now." There was a there was a medical hospital, you know, not too far away. So she just we're just like, "Let's go." Um, I, was it? I believe she had a handful of uh, of other of those suffocating episodes. Okay. Um, and so what basically happens with RSV is that your esophagus, tongue, etc., swell just kind of like kind of how you get normally sick and you get a mm-hmm. uh, secretions increase of saliva of mucus so those two things kind of paired with um breast milk and her just kind of probably being sleepy from being sick right she, she was choking and so um that happened again we were in the emergency room um because the doctors were just going to you know check her out get her vitals okay let's see what's going on mm-hmm. and it happened again and she was like you know blue a bluish purple hue that was just like whoa what's happening you know, the medical team rushed in, doctors are, um, you know, um, putting the oxygen tubes down her throat, you know, pumping oxygen in her. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty crazy, um, you know, never forget oh, life impacting moment, you know. Let me ask you a couple um, questions about that. That yeah. time that you ran back into the house and you saw her like that, what I'm sure time slowed down for a second. But what was your first initial thought when you saw her blue and purple and not breathing? I just, you know what? It just was like my first instinct was to just do the CPR because I thought, okay, she, like what she's choking. So that, that was like the first thing. And then it was like, oh my gosh, what is ha- Like what's going on? Like that's right. tense. Like, you know, that's not normal. So it was like immediately CPR, immediately a hospital. Like that was just mm-hmm. it. It was like, forget everything else. We're going now. Right. That type of- okay. And then the second question I had was you said she had stopped breathing there and at the hospital. How long did she not breathe for was it a long period of time just seconds it was seconds but it felt like 20 minutes you know what i mean yeah um yeah you know it just it was enough time uh for you know the doctors especially in the er for the doctors to be you know what i felt was very concerned and you know pretty intensely reactive to it um so yeah it was it was a pretty significantly traumatizing emotionally overwhelming, all that stuff. So um, when they did whisk her away after that time, they wanted to do more things with her. What was going on between you and Jenny at that moment? Were you guys talking about anything? Were you all just kind of like run we, with them? We, we were just standing outside in the hallway. Look, we could look into the room. Um, and I just remember um, shaking kind of just like, like, you know, in disbelief. And Jenny yeah. just, we, we were just standing right next to each other, silent, um, kind of just, it just felt like everything was on, you know, frozen in time. And it was just like them doing their thing. And I was like, what is happening? Like you have no answers. You have no information. Right. You can't even really, you can't even digest the information that, it, that is going on. Um, you know, so it just was uh, one of the most, if not the most intense situations mm-hmm. um, I've ever been in for sure. Did anything go through your mind at that moment where maybe you or you and Jenny thinking, oh, my God, we could lose Carter right now? Yeah, man, for sure. I thought, you know, like she can't die. She can't die. You know, that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where our, our faith in God kicked in. And it was just like we needed to, to trust and let let this not be our like uh, our gauge of understanding because we'll just throw ourselves in a panic mode and right. we'll throw ourselves into the craziest and worst uh, thoughts of, of what the outcomes could be. So 
it was really, I really tried to shut myself up, if you will, as much as possible, Yeah, you know, and just hold Jenny's hand and just, you know, kind of, um, let go of that kind of panic scared. Although I was, I definitely was, you know, I just was like, man, this, this is happening for a reason, you know, let it happen. So can you speak to how important it is to have a faith at some period like that when you know it's out of your control, it's out of your hands, how important it is to have God's grace and faith to kind of come calm you and be with you in that moment? Man, it was everything. Um, it just, you know, we, we go through trials and tribulations. We have our ups and downs through life. Life's never easy. Some people are, you know, super blessed, whether it's financially or, um, in family life and, and whatever it may be another struggle, another struggle, you know, long times. And so I think if you don't have, um, for us, you know, I, I grew up in church and I definitely walked away from my faith for a long time and just being able to, um, come back to that. It was just signs that, you know, God is real and, and my faith, um, is real and it was purposeful, um, just to be able to have that. It was almost, it was weird. It was definitely like a peace, but right. a peace within this storm of crazy, hectic chaos. You know what I mean? Right. And so, um, both my wife and I are strong believers and, and really base, you know, our lives and our, our actions and stuff out of, off our faith. And so I think just having that allowed us to be able to maneuver and navigate this right. situation much differently than we would, if not, um, you almost, you almost have this supernatural makes no sense mm-hmm. kind of calm and peace, even sure. though your heart's pounding out of your chest, even though your head's, you know, thinking yeah. crazy so for us man it was just a a backbone of stability that we could just kind of rest on and just be like okay this is crazy this is not what we asked for is not what we signed up for but it's happening for a reason let's just kind of trust that that this is going to have a greater impact or greater purpose um that we don't you know we that we can't understand right absolutely i think that's a great explanation thanks for answering that question yeah what's happening next you see her you guys are outside in the hallway you see her what's going on yeah, so she um, she was sent to the NICU, the the, the neurointensive care unit, um, neonatal. Sorry, um, so she was intubated, which means breathing tubes, um, kind of like a, an IV drip feeding tube, if you will. Um, she was still on fluid, so it wasn't like a real um, feeding tube. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, hooked up to antibiotics. She had a pick line in, so she was kind of on that for twelve days, um, just to fight the infection, fight the the RSV, just because she couldn't and she was, you know, so out of it from the lack of oxygen and all that right. stuff. So, um, we tried to keep it as normal as possible. We were in the hospitals, um, basically overnight for uh, 12 days, you know, on the 12th day we went home. Um, so it was crazy and it was, uh, eye opening and it was just a whole new world of, right. Um, you know, what happens a lot, you know, and that's another thing that was kind of, um, crazy to see was just, uh, how, needed and purposeful those parts of a hospital are mm-hmm. um, whether they're neonatal or pediatric ICUs of course you know I, I, for me it was like ICU oh yeah you know intensive right. care unit that's when you know people car accidents or shot you know you know that yeah. stuff has happened yeah uh, but just for the, the the kids it's like wow this is crazy because anything can literally happen to anyone and I mean we had some amazing nurses amazing nurses mm-hmm. uh, so it was just another really educational learning piece to, to life. Um, and so that, that, that happened, uh, came home and just kind of things, things got a little bit, you know, normal, it balanced out if you will. And, and, um, obviously we were like 
you know, hawks over Carter, noticing, sure. you know, every little thing, yeah. um, which was stressful, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, but so, you know, as, the, as time progressed and as, um, you know, months, you know, days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, we felt, you know, okay, things are kind of normalizing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but was she, was she healed when she came home from the... She had, the, the virus was, was, you know, being, being fought off. So she okay. had gotten an antibiotic. She had kind of gotten a little bit stronger. She was breathing better. And, okay. and she started feeding. Jenny was able to breastfeed her again in, in the hospital. So that was really, really good. So Carter was a fighter. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. So she started to come out on top and, and um, you know, she was doing breathing treatments. She was getting, you know, antibiotics all throughout the night, whatever it was. Um, she, so yeah, it was, she definitely had a, a plan that she was, um, you know, fighting through. Awesome. So now that you're home with her, you said you guys yeah. are kind of watching over her like a hawk, which I couldn't imagine, especially that, those episodes of her not breathing and stuff like that. Yeah. How was she starting to develop? Did life go back to normal for you guys for a while? As much as we thought it was normal, yeah. And then about a year hit, and we, my wife especially, just because we have nieces and nephews and you know, and, and friends with babies, she starts just was noticing that you know Carter wasn't really sitting up. Carter wasn't really uh, didn't have a really strong crawl um, or anything like that. So um, almost had like a lethargic, um, just kind of vibe with her. Right. And so okay, this is you know maybe she's just a late bloomer. Understand? You know, kids kind of develop on their own. Right. Some kids are different. Every kid is different. Sure. Uh, so that's when my wife Jenny kind of started really keeping an eye on her. Um, and then even started asking questions just with family and friends on, hey, what, you know, should this be happening? And then she started, yeah, she, you know, it, it's scary, but also very helpful to have, um, you know, the internet at your fingertips and be able to research <laughs> stuff, you know, because yeah. you can read scary stuff. But yeah. at the same breath, you can also find out some really awesome tips and advice and, and, and resources. So stay away um, from WebMD. It will just tell you that you're, you're already dead. Everyone's going to die. That's, yeah. the, that's the outcome every single time. Right, right. Um, so we, through that process and, and that kind of time from a year to maybe a year and a half, um, we thought, Hey, let's go, you know, ask her, let's ask her pediatrician. Let's kind of see. Um, so we asked pediatrician what, you know, what might be going on. Um, she's like, you know, that makes sense. Um, that, no, it's a valid question. Let's, mm-hmm. let's get some tests. Let's maybe see some specialists. Um, so we saw, we saw some like initial visits with, um, uh, pediatric geneticist, pediatric neurologist, just, right. just see, hey, what, what could there be a lasting effect? Could something else be going on? Um, and about when she was two years old, um, some some of the, the specialists thought, okay, maybe there's some cerebral palsy effects from the lack of oxygen, you know, mm-hmm. a little brain damage. That could make sense. Right. Um, so like, okay, that that resonates with us. Maybe let's look into that. Right. Um, I actually went and saw a friend of my dad's um, that runs a, uh, a pediatric um, neurological kind of center mm-hmm. um, at one of the universities in Southern California. Um, you know, they focus on everything from autism to kind of anything neurological, developmental um, related with with children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, you know, acknowledged the, the cerebral palsy. That could be it, he said. But he also thought that there might be something more kind of underlying and, and deeper. And so we're like, okay, um, let, he gave us a couple suggestions. Um, and one of them was to go and ask, um, you know, some of these specialists about getting a, 
what, what they call an exome sequencing test, which basically maps out her entire genetic code. Wow. Uh, and it was a process to get that approved and get her, you know, going with, um, it's an expensive test. And so you have to kind of right. file for Medi-Cal and kind of do that whole process. Finally got it performed, <clears throat> you know, I got the test. Um, and I remember that was probably when she was two and a half or three, she's five now. So, okay. you know, everything's still kind of new, but you know, sure. it's, it's still normalizing. Um, but, um, I remember sitting with the, uh, the, the pediatric neurologist and giving, you know, going over the results mm-hmm. and, um, he starts talking and he's like, yeah, we mapped out everything. The result, you know, we saw fine tooth combed everything. We found one genetic deletion, um, on her fifth chromosome, a, a protein called the pure alpha protein is missing. And so she has like, that's the only thing off. She has that very specific um, genetic deletion, if you will. So, uh, I remember him handing me a packet of like a study that had been done on, I think it was like five or six or seven kids from, from, I think one or two years old to 13. Um, and he was like, this is kind of all that has been published in medical journals. Oh, geez. Not really, not really sure what to tell you. Right. Uh, at the same time, we had also started looking into, um, occupational speech, physical therapies, um, just from what our pediatrician has suggested. So we had either just started that or we're starting that right when that kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, uh, but then he was kind of like, I don't really know what else to tell you. I'd keep doing what you're doing and just, just monitor and watch. And so we're like, okay. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you, right on. let me ask you a few questions about all this. So this is a period of time. Now it's like two and a half years. You've gone through bunch of stuff. I'm sure you've had conversations between the two of you about what's going on. Maybe what's not yeah. going on. You hear that she may have cerebral palsy and right. uh, you're processing all of that. Let me ask you a question about that. When you started to hear that, okay, maybe during this time she may have suffered a little bit of brain damage, a little cere- cerebral palsy and stuff. What, did, how did that hit you as parents hearing this? You know, yeah. You know, we're, it, it's kind of like, man, really? Like, is this happening? Did we, this isn't what we signed up for. Like, what does this mean? Like, is this going to be, you know, what would life look like now? What do like, what are, what are we going to have to, you know, face and, 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 you know, struggle with and, and go through now. And it's kind of ironic, you know, my wife, I love her to death and she is a, uh, an amazing, strong, independent, like I could not do what she does. She, right. she's definitely been graced and, you know, blessed to be able to navigate and steward our family and Carter's, you know, all the, all the things that come with Carter's situation. Um, but you know, we always wanted, we each kind of wanted four kids and we each, you know, um, you know, a a child with special needs is like, it's a scary thing, you know? And so it's like, sure. You know, I don't, I don't want that. That, that that's kind of funny that, you know, my wife actually used to pray to not have a kid with special needs and she, well, she'll talk about that because that can be, um, you know, that can come off sounding horrible, you know, Um, but it's just an ironic way of how God works that now we, she has a special needs kid and he has evolved into this champion and, and captain of this, um, this life and journey that we're on, you know what I mean? And so um, at first it was, it was really guilt ridden for her. Um, and so she, I, I couldn't even begin to explain some of the emotional journey that she's been on. I, I try to understand it as much as possible. Right. Um, but you know, that's a real thing. Um, f- especially for mothers. 
um, just the extra emotional kind of degree that that is just involved with anything with their kids. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, let me ask you this: of being a parent of a child with special needs and stuff like that, how how could something like that affect a marriage? It is. It, like it adds. Life? It adds an amount of stress, anxiety, pressure that you can't prepare for. You can't really. Uh, uh, navigate through on your own you know what i mean like you need i found that we have been needing so much support which we've gotten from family and friends which has been amazing but there are times when you didn't feel that and there are times when you you know you, you've had a long day or or you're exhausted or whatever and it it puts strain you know what i mean and you say mm -hmm. things you don't mean and you you know let alone have a, a baby mm -hmm. um dealing with this and then you know we had another child um why it was born um like a, a year and a half, two years later. Okay. Um, so those add degrees of sure. intensity to a marriage that really, you know, make you, you know, you act ways you wouldn't normally act. So, you oh, know what I mean? Yeah. That type of stuff. Yeah. Um, marriage is yeah. hard enough on its own without totally. any extra craziness thrown in. But to have that, because I was wondering, because I, I know a lot of parents, um, my wife, she's been a special ed teacher for 18 years and now she's awesome. at a college level with stuff. But so we've seen a lot of families with, all kinds of different needs over the years and I've seen different struggles and divorces and things happen because it's it's so intense and uh, so I just wanted to see I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were about you know how that's an added stress and it, it, it can be tough it is and that's another thing where our faith just has been such a, a blessing for us because we've even talked about hey I I can understand how because I'm gonna quote this wrong but there's some kind of a, a statistic with parents and divorce in a marriage with um children with special needs and i 100 percent understand that mm -hmm. that that is that can be a real thing easily i think and you know um we've even talked about it and like if we didn't have uh this faith and, and this you know relationship with with god and jesus christ we would be at odds with each other we yeah. would be not friends. We wouldn't be in love. We, you know what I mean? We would be right. like, you know, we'd say things neither one of us meant that would just tear us apart. So right. it, it's heartbreaking and it's sad and, and, and unfortunate, but it is, that is a real thing, you know, that, that, that level of stress um, to a marriage can really do damage, I would say. Yeah, I think we could all be thankful for God's grace in all these situations, you know, for sure. definitely. Let me ask you one more question about, you were talking about, when you ran that big test to um, yeah. map out everything, you talked about finances and expenses and stuff. What is it like as a parent with special needs and all these things? Because I know you want everything for your kids. You want yeah. the best tests, yeah. best treatments. What kind of financial stresses happens? You know, it, it, it does happen because you never know what you're not doing or you never know what else could you could be doing more. So um, there are resource programs out there, you know, whether it's um, – regional centers that, that kind of help facilitate um, therapies and, and other needs. Um, there's also different things that parents can look into, whether it's state-based or um, mm -hmm. national, on a government-level based uh, resource programs. But at the same breath, you know, like our horse therapy that uh, we send her to is all out of pocket, you know. Mm -hmm. it, but we've had them, we've felt that she's had the most response and growth and development based off of that. She goes two times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has been amazing, but yeah, it, there's, there's financial, um, additions that you can't foresee. Um, yeah. 
And that's just kind of life now, you know, whether it's appointment costs or, you know, test costs or sure. whatever. Um, but, you know, it's a no brainer. And mm-hmm. for us, it's, you know, it's, it's stuff we just happen to have. Yeah. You know. All right. Well, no, I wanted to hear that because I know a lot of families struggle with that. And I know it can be expensive to get into these places, even to try to get into a place like the Shea Center, which we can talk about later, probably even get on a list to get in to be able to have these services done. It's a lot of stress financially and physically, mentally and all that stuff, emotional. Um, so to go back, jump back into your story, I wanted to talk about, so he hands you this packet where he's kind of says, good luck, keep doing what you're doing. What happened next? Um we kind of just did that. We were like, okay. Um, you know, she was, she was literally doing two physical therapy, two occupational therapy and two speech therapy sessions a week. Um, you know, she wasn't in school or anything like that yet. So that was kind of all right. going on. Um, and then by the, when she, I think when she hit three or four, I'm a little off on that. We, uh, we, we did get her into preschool. And so that, that opened our, our doors and our lives to the whole um, public education um, special needs program, the independent education program, or IEP, um, that, that becomes reality and normal. Um, so that we, we've, we've uh, had to fight, and I say fight not as, uh, you know, a straight aggressive way, but you, ha- you have to stand firm and you have to repeat yourself and you have to right. – um, not always give in to what other people are suggesting as much of an expert as they might, may be, you know, your kid the best, um, you know, you're around them the most. So we've, we've had to fight for, um, resources and programs, um, through that and make sure that she gets, you know, as much added, um, resources and, and stuff like that, um, through her schooling. Mm -hmm. Um, cause some special needs programs around, uh, different, um, public school districts are really good and are amazing and others as a struggle or are lacking or don't have resources. And that's just True. the reality, the reality of that. So, um, yeah, we just tried to make it as normal as possible. It was a new normal. Mm-hmm. It was not what we had planned for or thought of, or were familiar with. Um, but we had to somehow create a, a consistency with that to, you know, just have a better psychological kind of presence with it you know and not feel like every not feel like everything was a new thing was a a new wave on on the ship ride you know what i mean like we just had to try to steer the course as straight as we could and so you know we we'd take suggestions and we'd you know do other specialist tests but we really tried to create especially for carter also to be able to create some kind of familiarity she doesn't do well with the, you know yeah so introducing new people and new settings and and that type of a thing is always there's always a one to two week kind of grace period that we say mm-hmm. that she just you know is uncomfortable and she just takes time so yeah we tried to make it as much um kind of normal and consistent as possible with therapies and then school so every we always kind of come to a new adjustment phase you know whether it's like every year or every couple of years you know um so, you know, that, that just kind of becomes the new normal. Yeah. Well, you had shared with me, and I'm going to put this in our show notes when your episode goes live, a couple of videos that really uh, told a little story about Carter and her impact. And one of the things that I remember you saying in the video, which I think was really cool, and if you could speak to that, was that when you found out she had this special need, she had the pure alpha syndrome, is that you didn't think of it as a burden necessarily, but you thought that God chose you as a steward for Carter. 
what did that mean to you when you kind of said that when you were feeling that? I just felt that like, you know what, I could look at this and be like, man, life sucks. This sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't want this. I don't want to deal with this. Uh, you know, this isn't fair. All that type of stuff. I could have felt so sorry for myself. So sorry for Jenny. Mm -hmm. um, but then in doing that would get robbed of just the joy and purity of life mm -hmm. and the blessings that, that come out of uh, having, having Carter in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I just felt that that was wrong. And I felt that that was selfish. And so, um, you know, it, it, I'm not saying it wasn't emotional and I'm not saying it wasn't stressful because it was all of those things. Sure. And it was, you know, doubtful and it was unbelievable and it was all that stuff. But in the same breath, it also became like a championing cause for us to have, right? Mm -hmm. It also became um, an opportunity for us to love, share and support with other people that we see that struggle mm -hmm. with that that might be a single parent going through something like this. That might be a new, newly married, first child type of a, a situation. Right. Um, it became just kind of like a badge of honor that hey, our daughter is amazing. She's right. literally one in a million. She's as unique as you can be. Um, why not let this be kind of like you know an uplifting? Why not choose that? Why not let that sure. be? something that could have a ripple effect that could have an impact because you know we see carter and she man she just pierces our hearts every day when she just looks into our eyes and mm -hmm. she just you know she's nonverbal, so she doesn't speak but she says so much with her touch and her eyes and her smiles it's just like you i always hear you know and many people might hear just of the stories of people just being just destroyed and just you know overcome with guilt and sadness um, when they deal with things and maybe they turn mm -hmm. that forces them to turn to crutches, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. We just felt that like we weren't meant to go through this for that reason for, right. or for that outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a, there was some kind of calling on this situation that we didn't understand. We didn't know. And so, yeah, we just chose, um, and not easily chose, but we chose to have it be a positive and have it be something that we could, outwardly show to people that you know life doesn't always need to be bad that life right. doesn't always suck you know what i mean like yeah it's no. a choice we all have that's awesome i love how you talked about that and i'm in the story in the video um i like how you guys really don't focus a lot about her disability that's not what's makes her special not yeah. her needs what makes her special is that she's god's gift to you guys she's yeah. your daughter and um and she inspires other people can you talk a little bit about the people who ran the marathon yeah, so um, there's a couple in our church, uh, Ingrid and Wellington, that we love so much. And um, they met Carter just a couple of times on, on Sundays. And um, they're going, you know, they go through, as everyone does, their, their own situations and stuff. And, and Ingrid just felt so impacted um, by Carter's just joy and um, attitude and, and just the aura about her that um, she just felt inspired to run a marathon on her 40th birthday. And so I was like, yeah, you're crazy. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she kind of used it as the reason um, that she wanted to do that. And she wanted to make that kind of physical mm -hmm. commitment and, and have it be something that she could over overlook and not overlook, but she could look through and she could kind of 
you know, strive through her situations and her struggles yeah. because of this little girl that has so much else going on that, right. that, you know, can't talk, struggles walking, struggles with the basic, uh, everyday things that all of us can do without even thinking, you know what I mean? Right. And so <clears throat> that was just, for us, it was so humbling. And so like, wow, like, like that's crazy, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, but how amazing that Carter, and that was Carter on her own, man, that we didn't, you know, we didn't force the situation. We right. didn't, you know, say, Hey, you should do this. Nothing like that. That was all in her one-on-one alone time with Carter. So, um, that was pretty cool, man. That was like, that was when we kind of looked at each other, like, Hey, this is pretty amazing. Like, and, and right. it just started happening more and more. People are like, man, Carter, you know, just pierces my heart. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> that's what, that's also, you know, we see that all the time, but it's pretty cool to see, you know, people coming up to us and just asking, you know, to hear more and, and just right. holding her hand or any of that stuff. It's, it's been really cool. Well, I thought was amazing in that story in the marathon is that this girl wasn't a huge runner. She wasn't like that wasn't right. her life and she was in like marathons all the time, but she Not talked about in the story that she was struggling and she was pretty much really behind in the marathon. She even got lost running it and didn't know where she was, but then someone came alongside her, helped her finish the race. And then she said she saw Carter. And she said that, yeah, was, we, that was the girl I was running for, and it just pushed her through the very end there. Yeah, we, we, we knew she was kind of lost and, and was taking a long time, so we tried to go kind of backtrack through the course um, and then and then kind of wait uh, to see when, you know, there was like a straightaway that you could see down a while. Mm-hmm. So we went up there, and, and I was holding Carter, and she could see her, and then, you know, obviously just got so emotional. But then it was also super encouraging uh, to finish, and just it was really cool. Yeah, really I, thought, cool. I thought that was an amazing story that yeah. Carter inspired her and she did that just out, you know, out of faith and just because of this one girl, she knew that she can survive and do anything that she could finish too. Um, Definitely. Let me, let me ask you, what is Carter's determination and strength and being a fighter, what does that mean to you? What does that challenge you to do every day, knowing that she can do these things, that you can also do something? It just It just really pushes me to check myself when I want to complain or check myself when I, I don't want to do something every, you know, that's, that's, and it's all the time, you know what I mean? It's, it's, do I want to, you know, make the extra trip to run an errand? I don't know what it looks like, but do I want to, uh, you know, help my wife when she needs something to get done? You know, it just kind of reminds me that there's so many things we choose to complain about and we choose to drag our feet through and we choose to make harder than it really is. Mm-hmm. That if we just had a different, if we just had a shift in mindset and a shift in thinking, we could really get through all a majority, if not a lot of things that, that kind of struggle, right. um, we find struggle with. And so, you know, there's different situations out there. There's more intense, there's more severe, 100%. I never want to be explaining our story and not be mindful of different degrees um, sure. that, that people go through. Um, but there's also still just a... a a larger echoing, you know, kind of element to this whole thing of being, having that level of determination and having that level of just push through that, you right. know, maybe, maybe some people just be like, Hey, here's this little girl, five-year-old girl has to go through so many different therapy sessions, so, so many different, uh, learning things, uh, you know, whether it's feeding and drinking and, mm-hmm. and even just walking and obviously not even talking that, that I can, I could maybe push through this week, this 
this report or this work, this week of work or this, absolutely whatever it may be. Honestly, there's so many different reasons that people get, get negative and down that, sure. um, that that's all we hope that, that right. it can be harder. Just even a glimpse, just even just a couple minutes where you can be like, uh, I can choose to do more. I can yeah. choose to do, to do this. No, that's absolutely awesome. In season one, I had a lady on named Katie Ursta who fought through cancer and came through it. And she started a, a movement. It was actually a hashtag called every sweat matters. And what they would do going forward is they'd go out there and work out and sweat for the people who couldn't, for the people That's who awesome. wish they had an opportunity to be able to do it. And the, the times where we get up and like, Oh, I could work out today because you can, cause you're able think about the people who would just dreamed if they could walk, if they could, yeah. if they could fight and do it. And so hearing about Carter, it just made me think of that, you know, about people yeah. like, push through this little yeah. girl was putting everything in just to try to grab things and try to feed yep. herself, try to walk. Yeah. has a heart full of words that she wants to say, but she can't yet yep. push forward. You can do it. If totally. she can do it, you can do it. And, um, those stories like that really blow me away. Yeah, um, totally. Like I ask everybody at the very end of each episode is, you know, what kind of hope and encouragement can you offer to parents, family members, anybody who's going through something like this has kind of felt like they've been quote unquote dealt this hand. What could you offer them? I would just say that you never know what's going to happen and you never know what tomorrow is going to look like. You never know what next week, next month, a year, two, three, five years is going to look like. So there's always a hope to have and it could be as bleak and as, uh, as far off of a glimmer of hope mm -hmm. that you could even imagine, but it's meant it, it, there is something there. And if we just, I think if we just shift a mindset of being, defeated and and being um you know looking down and and negative in, in situations we actually are are stronger and and powerful enough to change that just by choosing to think mm -hmm. a slight degree more positive or happier or anything like that because um yes there are situations that that are really hard and are really difficult you know everything from you know grieving from uh, the loss of a life to struggles with, um, you know, whatever it may be, any type of rehabilitation or, or special needs or anything. So there's always going to be struggles in life. I just think if, if we can kind of champion the cause of, Hey, we can actually do things different. We can actually make things better. Um, then that can, then that can change the world, man. That can really bring people out of, um, just, a a mindset of, of mm -hmm. struggle and a mindset of defeat and a mindset of negativity that, you know, who knows what kind of impact can, can be created and forged out of that. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. If people had a can do attitude more than a, um, you know, this, this happened to me type of uh, an attitude, then shoot, who knows what could happen in this world. That's amazing. I don't think you could have said it any better than that. Well, it's been amazing having you on today, Will. And uh, I know, Carter's story is just going to continue to the ripple effect that you talked about early on and bless people's lives and make them feel like they can do anything. If people wanted to connect with you and hear more about your story, about resources, how can they do that, Will? Well, um, we have uh, a couple of different ways. I mean, you could always find us on social media. We have a Team Carter Facebook page. Okay. Um, that's super easy to find. Um, and then, you know, my they, they can find me or my wife and message us. That's super easy as well. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we love telling our story. We love talking to people. So, um, you know, we've kind of made that our our cause to be there to support 
um, yeah. people we know or, or not. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, definitely. So we'll include all that information on the show notes when the episode goes live so people can contact you. And again, Great. I can't thank you enough for coming on today and sharing Carter's story of hope and inspiration for others. Thanks, Tim. It's always humbling and honoring at the same time. So we are uh, really excited to be able to do this. So thank you. Well, I can't thank Will enough for being on the show today. I really appreciate him taking his time and kind of going back and recounting those memories about Carter's birth, about what it was like early on in those times of where he saw her purple and blue and suffocating and lifeless is what he talked about. How scary that must have been at that early time. And it was about getting to the doctor right away and seeking help. But then after getting past the infection that she had and then thinking that, you know, we're kind of out of the woods a little bit. And then as the years go by, there is, you know, maybe some slight development issues and then wondering if it was cerebral palsy and then finding out what it really was after all that time and finally actually getting that help for Carter that she needed. And I thought it was great how he talked about how him and his wife, when things got tough there, when they weren't sure what was going on, they leaned on God. And they talked about how important that is, not just in a normal marriage, in a normal relationship, how God's very important in all the foundations of things that you do, especially when things get tough and really hard, but especially when you're a parent of a special needs child, where things can you know, really wear on you as a couple. Things that you have to do every single day can be monotonous and hard, and it's easy to want to give up and pack it in. But... They leaned on God the whole time, even at those very early moments when they didn't know what was going on. They leaned on God. And I think that was just such a great testimony for us who are listening now, who are dealing with things that are a little less intense maybe, but just as important in your own life, to take those times, lean on God, cast all your worries on Him, and He'll be there for you. You know, so often when things go bad or, you know, we're dealing with everyday things, we always try to do everything in our own power to fix it, right? Always. I mean, I'm guilty of it all the time. Even though I know God is waiting there, I feel like he's just right next to you all the time just saying, I'm just waiting for you to ask. I'm just waiting for you to ask. I just picture him just like tapping on his watch, like time's ticking away. And so often we just try to do things on our own power over and over again. And it's when we take that moment and we ask God for his help in those toughest times that he's there for us to come alongside of us Say, be still, know that I'm God, and I'm here to carry you through. And I really appreciate Will for sharing that and using that just as a message for all of us, not just in his life and his situation, but everything that we go through and can go through in the future. I also wanted to talk about the importance of not giving up, not quitting when things are hard. Because we talked about the very end there. It really hit home for me, and I hope it hits home to the listeners today, that if you have this little girl, beautiful little daughter named Carter, who can't speak, but she works so hard all day, every day, all the therapies, all the doctor's appointments, all the things that we take for granted on a daily basis. She has to grind out every single day just to have a normal life. And the things that we go through, not to minimize anybody's struggles, you know, those are big to you, but they may be a lot less than what she's going through. And if this little girl, this precious little bundle of joy from God, it can go through all these struggles and work so hard just to do the things we take for granted, then guess what, guys? We can too. 
I talk about it a lot in my classes that I teach, the physical fitness classes, that muscle is grown when it, you push to resistance. And then when you go a little further, that's when you get muscle. That's when you grow. And I challenge the people in my classes the same thing all the time. That's going to be the same thing in your life. Push to resistance and then tiptoe just a little further past that outside your comfort zone. That's where the growth is. I don't care if it's in your relationship, finances, physical fitness, and you just keep filling in those blanks. When you push past that resistance, step into the outside that comfort zone and keep working hard and not giving up, that's where you see growth. And I think Carter is a perfect example of that. She works hard every single day, every single day, and it motivates her dad, Will, to when things get tough, he sees her staring right into his soul, speaking to him, saying, don't give up. If I can do it, you can do it. And I think that's just a beautiful message. And how Carter has affected so many different people's lives and that story uh, about the lady who ran the marathon. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody I'd run a marathon for. I'd really, have to say, I'd really have to think really hard who I'd run a marathon for. But this little girl had penetrated someone's heart so deeply that they wanted to do that for them, even though they had their own struggles going on. And it's just such a beautiful story. And that just because someone can't speak and they're young and they're little and they may have a disability or a condition does not mean their impact can be small. Anybody's life can impact someone else's. And that ripple effect that paying it forward over and over again can change the world. And I believe that. And I hope you guys believe that too. So again, I can't thank Will enough for sharing the story, sharing God's love in their life, and sharing Carter's life to encourage us to keep going, keep pushing, even when things are so tough that this little girl who does all this hard work just to do the things we take for granted, that we can do it too. Do not give up. Your journey is worth it. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for listening like you do every single week. It means a lot to me, and I hope the message is coming out, that your story is unwritten. Anything can happen in your life. God can work miracles in your life and use your story to bless other people. And I need more stories, guys. I'm asking for it every week. I really need more stories to be on the podcast. I reach out to people to be on. I know it's intimidating and vulnerability is a big thing to come out there. But if you have a story and you think you can help somebody with it, please reach out to me. You can find me at timunwrittenlifepodcast.com. You can go to unwrittenlifepodcast.com there on the contact form. Email me. Leave me your story. I will be happy to read it on the air because I think everybody's story is super important. And if it can help one person, it is a win all day, every day. Please check me out on Instagram at unwrittenlifepodcast. Be in our Facebook group. That's where the conversation is going on most of the week. And that's where I talk about you guys being the heartbeat of the community, being in there, commenting and taking part in that community, and that's the Unwritten Life podcast group. We'd be happy to have you there. It would be my true pleasure to meet all of you and to interact with you there. So, guys, we've come to the end of yet another episode, but this is not the end of your life, not the end of your journey at all. Remember, you matter, and like Carter, you can make a difference, and your story is still unwritten.